Well, well, what a uh, we've had a lot of breaking news leading up to the show. Uh, hi, everybody. It's Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPEL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the app chat. And boy, did it all just the floodgates open. What do you guys want to talk about, sports or news? Because we got two old guys who are just quitting in both fields. Let's start with, with let's start with politics first. Uh, Chris Christie has announced that he's bowing out. He's going to leave the presidential uh, nomination race for the Republican Party. Now, this is ahead of Monday's Iowa caucuses. He wasn't expected to do well there. Probably going to do even worse than what's being polled because there's a massive blizzard going to Iowa on the day of the caucuses. And, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit because that plays into some other factors as far as what we could expect out of Iowa. But Chris Christie announced that, that he's he's bowing out. If you're a Trump fan, you don't like Chris Christie because he's been attacking Trump relentlessly. And he's been doing so he's he's been doing so with uh, a lot of fervor and more directly than any other candidate out there. Chris Christie, though, at the very beginning, made it a point of saying he was going to focus on a national campaign, which was a pretty sure sign that he didn't expect to win many of the early races. Uh, He was never going to have a chance in Iowa. He wasn't going to have a chance in South Dakota. He might have had a chance in New Hampshire, but the anti-Trump element in New Hampshire, the Northeast Republicans in New Hampshire, uh, were were, uh, more in favor of Nikki Haley. But Chris Christie, despite that, did not want to drop out. In fact, he he uh, over the Christmas holiday, he, re- he he dropped a seven figure ad buy in Iowa saying, I'm not dropping out. So this is kind of a a turn from that. But anyway, if you're a Trump fan, you don't like Trump. I mean, if you're a Trump, sorry, if you're a Trump fan, you don't like Chris Christie. If you're a never Trumper, you didn't like Chris Christie because he was getting in the way of of the non-Trump voters consolidating to other candidates. The data shows right now that most of Chris Christie's voters, most of his supporters would go to Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is trending higher and depending on which poll you look at, she's maybe even within single digits distance of Donald Trump. Chris Christie's supporters shifting to her could have a major impact. So a lot of the never Trump crowd was really mad at Chris Christie. I mean, National Review, other conservative outlets, all saying, Chris Christie, drop out, because at this point you're helping Trump. And he finally did. Now, what's interesting is he was caught on a hot mic earlier. Let me pull it up real quick so I can, uh, I know, tremendously unprofessional, and I'm sorry. Um. He was caught on a hot mic earlier, basically trashing Nikki Haley. She's going to get smoked, he said, in this uh, hot mic moment. Let me find the let me find the direct quote. You know, I talked to DeSantis. He called me petrified that I would, and it kind of trailed off there. Uh, but the hot mic, um, the hot mic moment, uh, he came back and said, She's going to get smoked. You and I both know it. She's not up to this. So now it's kind of interesting because then Donald Trump goes on Truth Social 
and says, I hear Chris Christie is dropping out of the race today. I might even get I might even get to like him again. Anyway, he was just caught on a hot mic making a very truthful statement. She's going to get smoked. You and I both know it. She's not up to this. So Donald Trump is now saying, hey, I might like Chris Christie again because he's not attacking me and going on the attack against Nikki Haley. Ron DeSantis did as well. His Twitter account saying, I agree with Christie that Nikki Haley is, quote, not uh, is, quote, going to get smoked. So now. Things are even more jumbled up because there's a lot of people who like Trump who didn't like Chris Christie, but now they agree with Chris Christie because he was talking about Nikki Haley, who Nick, who Donald Trump has been spending a lot of time attacking. He's actually been attacking Nikki Haley almost as much as he's been attacking Ron DeSantis because Nikki Haley poses a threat in New Hampshire like Ron DeSantis poses a threat in Iowa. What's interesting, though, is going to be Iowa. Because it's a caucus. It's not a voting day. It's it's caucuses, and they work very differently. But the blizzard. See, regardless of whether it's voting or whether it's caucuses, turnout is key. And if you have a big blizzard, yeah, Iowa's used to snow days or used to blizzards and things like that, but this is something unique. This is something a little bit different. See, what the DeSantis campaign is hoping for is that it's going to be snowy, it's going to be bleak, there's going to be tons of snow out. They're hoping that the Trump voters are, or the Trump caucus goers are not as motivated. They say, well, Trump's got it. You know, he's so far ahead. Trump's got it. He'll, he'll be fine. And then fewer of them turn out. And that gives Ron DeSantis an edge in Iowa. That's what the campaign's hoping for. I think they've kind of come to terms with the fact that he's not growing in Iowa like he wants to. Now, it's interesting because he has some very good spokespeople out there. Uh, uh, Vanderplatz, the, the family forum guy in Iowa, huge political machine. They turn out a lot of, of support. Uh, Governor Kim Reynolds turns out a lot of support. Her endorsement carries a lot of weight in Iowa. So it'll be interesting to see how the caucus turns out on Monday. By the way, on caucus day, you definitely need to be listening to the show because Josh Guillory is going to be in the studio. And we're going to talk about elections and caucuses and, and what, what we can expect throughout the day. We'll be talking about all that at 5 p.m. on Monday, the day of the caucus. Josh Guillory joining me in the studio. There's your tease. But anyway, that's the state of the Republican primary right now. You have Chris Christie dropping out. Uh, I thought that he would probably try to stick around at least through Iowa, if not New Hampshire, but he would be spoiler to Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. So what's the strategy then? What's the strategy for the not Trump candidates? Well, Ron DeSantis really needs to close the gap with Donald Trump in Iowa. If he can manage to pull off the win, which is looking increasingly unlikely, if he manages to pull off the win in Iowa, that shifts the race pretty fundamentally, and here's why. Donald Trump is seen as inevitable. If you watch the the Avengers movie uh, in, with uh, the Infinity War, no, um, yeah, uh, Endgame, um, where Thanos says, "I am inevitable." That's how everybody feels about Donald Trump right now. Everybody feels Donald Trump is inevitable. So how do you handle that? Well, you've got to find some way to prove he's not inevitable. 
That's what Ronald Trump's campaign has been focusing on. They've done the full Grassley. They've toured 99 counties, all 99 counties in Iowa. He's held events all over the state. He's done the glad handing. He's made himself visible. He, and Iowa loves that stuff. Iowa really loves that stuff. If you as a candidate go out and you're glad handing all over Iowa, they eat that up. So if Ron DeSantis can prove that Trump isn't inevitable and he wins in Iowa, then the, all the numbers you've seen in the polling, they probably start to shift a little bit. They probably start to shift. Some of those folks who are saying they support Trump right now say they support Trump because he's seen as inevitable. I mean, uh, look at Fox News, which after the, uh, after the Dominion lawsuit, Fox News did not say or do a whole lot about Trump. But now they're holding a competing town hall against the debate tonight. Now they're holding, now they're talking about Trump more. Now they're focusing on Trump more, which leads me to believe the, the editors and producers at Fox News, they believe he's inevitable too. So the media coverage believes that, Ronald, that Donald Trump is inevitable. The voters in the polls believe that Donald Trump is inevitable. Ron DeSantis and his campaign are trying to show he's not inevitable by winning in Iowa. That shifts the race. A lot of the people, if Trump loses in Iowa, a lot of them will probably go to Ron DeSantis. That will build up his numbers coming out of Iowa in the more socially conservative states. Now, that's not going to have as big an impact in New Hampshire, which is more of a moderate Republican state. Nikki Haley, though, with Chris Christie's supporters coming to her. And if Donald Trump happens to not win in Iowa, well, then all of a sudden more people coming to her. She could take a win in, in New Hampshire. So that would be two states in a row that Donald Trump loses. All of a sudden there's a cascading effect there. And that's what a lot of the folks behind the scenes who are against Trump are really looking for. They're looking for that cascading effect. You don't need the same person to win both of those contests. You just need people other than Trump to win these contests in order to break that hold that he has over the Republican primary voters right now. And they're really hoping that they can get that done. We'll see. It's your 5 o'clock news crew is brought to you by our friends at Service Chevrolet Cadillac just around the corner, 1212 Ambassador Caffrey here in Lafayette, or check them out online, servicegm.com. They've got lots for you to check out. I've got lots to still check out and go over here on the Joe Cunningham Show. We'll be back with more on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPEL app chat. Shout out to Scott who uh, reached out, commented a little while ago that Chris Christie uh, made it too personal, made his attack. Pretty much anybody he attacked, he made it too personal. That was just, the, that was just his M.O. Uh, it is your 5 o'clock news cruise brought to you by our friends at Katiana's number one Chevy dealer for nine years in a row, an impressive streak. That is, of course, Service Chevrolet Cadillac here in Lafayette, 1212 Ambassador Caffrey, or check them out, servicegm.com. It's Louisiana's largest selection of Chevrolets, and they're getting new inventory daily. If you go visit the lot, you'll see new and used cars for sale right there. You can also see them online at servicegm.com. You also get the opportunity, if you are a service member, a community uh, emergency responder, or teacher, you've served our nation, our community, 
and our kids. You get special pricing at Service Chevrolet Cadillac. Uh, they they do it all for you. Parts and service, body shop and collision center, fine line custom auto, the wash, anything that you have uh, as far as an automotive need, Service Chevrolet Cadillac can do it for you. Find new roads with Service Chevrolet located at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey in Lafayette. All right. So I'm really kind of fascinated by the whole Chris Christie thing. Uh, I, I've i met him in person. I've listened to him live. I've, Chris Christie as a public speaker is fun. And, and one of the things I've noticed if you ever catch him, like he's not behind a podium, like he's sitting down in a chair, he's just standing in front of a group. If he gives one of his throwaway, uh, he gives one of his throwaway little punchlines or whatever, you'll see him flip the bottom of his tie up and down, like he's he's kind of flicking it up and down, like that's his tell. Like if he gets a good response from a line, that that's his tell. Uh, that's what he's hoping for in that. But he he's he's always been a fun public speaker. I mean, he yes, he's gone after people way too hard, but. He's got some good zingers in there. It's just Chris Christie was actually a lot of folks who who did not like the rise of Trump uh, say that Chris Christie is one of the reasons that Donald Trump was able to win the first go round. And, and they're saying that by staying in and getting in Nikki Haley's way in New Hampshire, that he would be handing the nomination to Trump again. And I think that started to eat away at him more than anything else. I, I really think that the implication that he was actually helping Trump was just gnawing away at him. And so that's why he finally uh, backed down. He didn't want to be remembered for that. But it's going to be interesting going forward. Again, Monday, the first in the nation uh, caucuses, the first in the nation election day in the Republican primary. We've got the Iowa caucuses. Then it will be New Hampshire. And then I think it's Nevada, then South Carolina, or flip those two. I can't really remember. And then it just come, it all flows out from there. In March, we've got Louisiana's primary. Uh, so that'll be interesting as well. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. It's your 5 o'clock news crew is brought to you by our friends at Service Chevrolet Cadillac just around the corner at 1212 Ambassador Caffrey in Lafayette, servicegm.com. Going to be interesting to see. CNN was just absolutely mean and scheduled a debate while my show was going on. I will have clips from the, from the debate tomorrow, but I, I'm offended. I'm going to have to send Jake Tapper a very strongly worded email about that. It's very, very inconsiderate. All right. So I mentioned the beginning of the show. We had two old guys who were quitting. One of them, Chris Christie. The other is Nick Saban. Nick Saban announced to his team earlier today, apparently, that he is retiring. The news has broken all over sports media and all over the regular media. Nick, Nick Saban spent 26 years as a coach. 72 years old. He's He's been doing it for a while. And uh, he is out. The last play that he called as a head coach was a quarterback draw. So uh, that may not go down. But, I mean, overlook that. The, the fact of the matter is the man won six national championships with the Crimson Tide. He won one at LSU. Uh, he will go down as one of if 
I mean, win-wise, he's number five on total wins. And I think he's 112 games behind the all-time leader, Joe Paterno. Uh, he will go down as one of the greatest of all time, uh, if not the. Nick Saban, for for every reason as a Louisiana resident and an LSU fan to not like him, Nick Saban, you got to kind of respect just he, – he had – one hell of a run. Um, he started out, I forget where, then he spent five years at Michigan State, then five years at LSU, won a national title there, uh, then left to go to the NFL, coached for two seasons, wasn't all that great there, came back, got the job at Alabama, and has been uh, just rocking and rolling ever since. I mean, he has been... Uh, he has been a force. Even in the years where he didn't win a national championship, he still had a tremendous run as a very well respected as a coach. I mean, the, the outpouring of support from all over uh, social media in the, in the sports world today is it, it just proof. Everybody respected Nick Saban for the job he's done at, uh, at Alabama. And it's so one of the things that I, I really I, one of the things I disliked about him for the longest time, if he was getting interviewed, like as the teams were going in for halftime, whenever you get interviewed by the sideline reporter, he wouldn't look at the report. He would look straight into the camera, which to me is a sign of a sociopath. I mean, you, you, you it's never comfortable as a viewer. This is one of the things they tell you in, in broadcast journalism. If you're doing TV, uh, the subject needs to be looking at you and then you're like filming them from like. They're, that's that's kind of side angle or whatever. They're they're not looking directly into the camera. They're looking at the person speaking to them. Nick Saban, for the longest time, would stare directly into the camera. He would he would stare directly into the camera when being interviewed, and it's just it it gives you an uncomfortable feeling. That's why it kind of felt like he was a sociopath just trying to stare into your soul. But one of the things I really respect about the guy, and I mentioned this uh, yesterday, talking about the national championship. Nick Saban was tremendous at making adjustments. There, there's a reason why, if his t- even if his team had a rough first half, nobody could reasonably count the Crimson Tide out after the first half, even if they were down by a couple touchdowns. Nick Saban does a very good job of analyzing and making adjustments. And... Coming back from halftime, his team was always a much better second-half team. And he won a lot of games that way. He, he did. He really and truly won a lot of games in the second half when the first half looked incredibly bleak. But it's because they made the adjustments offensively and defensively. He was very good at that. And the part of his downfall this year was the fact that he went up against somebody in the college football playoffs who was a master of instantaneous adjustments. Jim Harbaugh just has a natural, instinctual ability to make an adjustment right there on the spot based on what he sees. You don't have a lot of people. That's, there are some people who will do it. None of them really do it as good as he does. That's the type of thing. you Honestly, you see it more in basketball because it's such a faster sport and you don't necessarily have those long halftimes. You, you've got to make adjustments. You're subbing guys in and out constantly. It's a lot faster paced a game than football is. Football is a very strategic slog. Basketball is you get up and go. That's 
that's why there's so many people who are good at making instant adjustments in basketball. But in football, it's a lot rarer. Jim Harbaugh was just a, is just a guy who does that. Nick Saban able to make those mid-game adjustments between quarters at halftime. He's able to do so much good work in making the adjustments and taking his teams to the next level on a nearly constant basis. Sometimes he slipped up. There are some games, I mean, even this year, he had some close calls. There's part of the reason why some folks were wondering why Alabama would make it uh, – why Alabama would make it to the college football playoffs instead of Florida State. Of course, Florida State kind of proved uh, why Alabama deserved to go with their performance in their bowl game, but that's more the transfer protocol and the ability to opt out and stuff like that. And incidentally, Kirk Herbstreet got a lot of flack for making a comment about getting rid of bowl games. And I agree with him. A lot of folks were like, he's just trying to ruin the experience, trying to ruin it for a bunch of teams. No, I, Kirk Herbstreit was absolutely right in saying that we need fewer. But there's when you have teams that are like, you have teams that barely have a 500 record, little over a 500 record, and they're making it to the the I don't they're making it to the the Dorito Chip Bowl in uh, some obscure Midwestern town. Nobody cares about that. that. That's not the draw. That's not why people are watching this. People are watching because they want to see their team or they want to see a really good matchup. The Alabama-Michigan bowl game was a really good matchup. The national championship game, not as good a matchup, but still a good matchup. Because Washington threw a lot of things that Jim Harbaugh had to adjust to. I, we do. We need fewer bowl games. I think extending the college football playoffs to twelve teams will help tremendously, but we need to get rid of some of these other bowl games. It, it's just, it's there's no reason for it. I really don't think there is. It, it takes a lot of the spectacle of of football bowl games of the postseason away when you're just kind of throwing them out to everybody. And I know that probably won't win me a lot of fans, uh, necessarily, but I don't know. Anyway. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Still a lot more to talk about. Let's uh Oh, we got a I don't I don't want to Oh dear, I forgot this one. Oh man, we got to talk about this one. This is from Politico. So I I've, I've mentioned a couple times uh the White House and you've heard it now the White House staffers are publishing anonymous letters and giving anonymous quotes to the media, uh, criticizing Joe Biden for supporting Israel instead of of Hamas, and this most recent one publishing a letter, uh, an anonymous letter on on the website Medium, which is a, a blogging and, and newsletter site. Uh, they they are criti- openly criticizing their boss, but they're doing so anonymously because you know where's the bravery? Uh, there's an interesting piece at Politico today about. Old versus new Democrats. The notion that junior staffers in such coveted jobs would dare cross the principle, even anonymously, would have been inconceivable not long ago, some of these older Democrats say. There's this whole you're not the boss of me attitude now. I might work for you, but I have my own views, said longtime Democratic strategist James Carville, who worked for former President Bill Clinton as a top campaign strategist. 
If you said you didn't like some of President Clinton's policies, the idea that you would go public with that would just be insane. Just wouldn't do that. It wouldn't even cross your mind. And there's a lot more from that political story. Others talking the same way. And I don't think it's so much an old versus new mentality. It's it's the it's the young progressive versus established progressive mentality. Because there's there's even some young progressives who are smart enough to know you don't go full left right away. You don't show all those true colors right away. You kind of hide it a little bit. Alexandria Casio Cortez is frankly, uh, she she's the exception to that rule. A lot of Democrats try to run more centrist, and then they win and they go full progressive. Alexandria Casio Cortez ran as a socialist and was hailed for doing so, and sparked a minor uh, rebellion among younger Democrats and newer Democrats. But this is really about fresh faced progressives who don't really understand the 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 uh, the workings of party politics. And there's also this entitled mentality that they are entitled to disagree with their boss and, and, and actively work against their boss in many ways. And all they're doing is they're really sowing a lot of confusion among Biden supporters, uh, White House staffers and Joe Biden's White House. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, his, his uh, campaign team. And that's something that he can't afford right now. There's a poll out of Michigan 17% of likely general election voters believe Joe Biden deserves another term as president. That number marks a historic low for any major office, public office holder in modern Michigan political history, according to the Detroit News. The poll went on to claim that Biden trailed Trump by eight points in Michigan after winning the state by two points in the 2020 election. Y'all, it's getting bad for Joe Biden. I mean, I'm sorry, I've been saying it seems like I say that every other day, but it's true. It gets worse and worse, and this rebellion from his own staffers and among his White House team and among his campaign team, this rebellion of these staffers does not help. It actually makes it a whole lot worse for Joe Biden to say, we're the grown-ups in the room. We came in. Now he's going out and he's giving these speeches, talking about white supremacy, talking about the threat to democracy and all this stuff. And his own, his own White House, I mean, first of all, he didn't even know that his defense secretary had prostate cancer and, and went under the knife and then had an infection, had to be hospitalized for several days. He didn't know anything about that. I'm not sure he understands that his son went to a congressional hearing today and acted a damn fool in front of cameras and the, the committee and everything. I don't think he's aware of just how bad the polling is for him. I think he still kind of rejects it. He doesn't understand the rebellion of his own. So he doesn't have an understanding of anything that's going on, which is why so many people lack faith in him. Joe Biden's in a lot of trouble. Is he going to run or is he not? I, he's running right now. We'll see if that actually, if he actually makes it through the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, this summer. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll wrap up the show here on the uh, the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Glad to have y'all back. It is our five o'clock news cruise here on News Talk ninety six point five KPL. Brought to you by our friends at Service Chevrolet Cadillac. 1212 Ambassador Caffrey here in Lafayette. Glad to have them as a sponsor of the show. And speaking of sponsors, I do want to give a shout out and recommend to y'all my dentist, Dr. Danielle Deku and Associates. Check him out, thelafayettedentist.com. So I, I frequently say this. It's absolutely true. They, it's such a stress-free way of getting the oral health care that you need. 
Um, the the fact of the matter is that they do a variety of work, x-rays, exams, cleanings. They do fillings. They can redo fillings, uh, cosmetic oral, uh, oral dentistry. All of that is available. You go check them out online, thelafayettedentist.com, Dr. Daniel Deku and Associates. They can do it all, and it is such a painless experience to go into the office and get that work done. Trust me on that. I swear by them. Dr. Daniel Deku and Associates, thelafayettedentist.com. Before we get out of here, a few of y'all have uh, been very chatty on the app. Rob, uh, what uh, what did Chris Christie actually stand for in order to gain support? See, that's the thing, Rob. He didn't. He, as you pointed out, uh, he never released policies. Communications were always about another candidate. He never really had any policies to stand behind. He he talked some about what he did as governor of New Jersey, but that's about it. Uh, PJ in Bozier uh, uh, points out that uh, Chris Christie is just another kind of those typical Bush Romney type Republicans and is one of those establishment types that really just make people not trust uh not trust the Republican Party much anymore. Um, shout out to you guys, uh, T-Don, Scott, uh, Rob, PJ, all of you who have chatted on the app chat. By the way, if you haven't yet, go to your app store and download the KPL News app. You won't regret it. You get all of our top stories. You get to chat with me during the show. You get to listen live from anywhere. You don't have to be in Lafayette to be able to listen to all the great programming here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. I'm out. I'll be back in 23 hours. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, or email joe at redstate.com. The podcast is going live shortly. You can find it at Substack, the Joe Cunningham Show on Substack, or wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, whatever. Just be sure if you get it from one of those platforms that you leave a rating and review. Help the show grow as the show grows. We get to do more fun stuff here. Thank you guys very much for listening. Talk to you again soon here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.